So you have to fight for the people. When you stop fighting for the people, then, then you're useless. So you no longer have that fire anymore. You have to stand up for the people. Thank you for listening to K Voice of Resistance. I'm your host, Kelly. It feels like forever since I've talked to you guys. Work on the campaign has been awesome and hands down the most fun I have ever had in a job. I'm telling you, go out and volunteer for a campaign. Go out and find a job that you can get paid to do on a campaign. Find a campaign you believe in and join the team. It is fulfilling and the inside baseball politics is a blast. Okay, before I get down to business, and I know there's a ton of news to talk about, but instead of talking about the misery and the muck and the mire that is our current national nightmare, beer, 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 I need to name drop and geek out on you for a minute. I met Dolores Huerta. This woman is a living legend. If you don't know who she is, don't feel bad. Most don't. Why? Because sexism. Not that you're sexist, but history is sexist, society is sexist, and many people surrounding her tended to be uh, a bit sexist. Dolores Huerta is a winner of the Presidential Medal of Freedom, given to her by none other than Barack Obama. Because Dolores does not play. In 1993, she was the first Latina inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. She raised 11 children while wrestling with gender bias, union defeat, and victory, and nearly dying after a San Francisco police beating. Dolores Huerta bucked the 1950s gender conventions to co-fund the country's first farm workers' union with Cesar Chavez, who you've probably heard of. Why? Because he's a dude! But she played as much, if not more, of a role in the creation of the UFW. Huerta helped organize the Delano Grape Strike in 1965. If you've heard of that, it was in California. It was wildly successful and is largely responsible for farm workers having any rights. And it eventually led to her being the chief negotiator in the workers' contract that was created after the strike. Huerta has received a ton of well-deserved awards for her community service, her advocacy for workers, immigrants, and women's rights. I suggest checking out the documentary that recently came out about her life. It's called Dolores the Movie. It was produced by Benjamin Bratt, Carlos Santana, and Tom Steyer, among others. She's also the originator of the phrase, Si se puede. A little phrase that was later translated and stolen by a young upstart politician. Uh, And on a personal note, uh, Dolores was uh, very gracious uh, when I told her I had stolen her slogan, uh, Si se puede, yes we can. Yes, we can. Anyways, the woman's a living legend and it was awesome. Enough of that. This episode is going to be a little bit different than most of the shows. This will be the first in a series of shows I'm doing called The Candidate Series. There are interviews with candidates across the nation who are running for various roles in their prospective governments. In each episode, we'll explore the labels we subscribe to on the left and what they mean to each hopeful. We'll look at what policies could be made possible with good people in place to implement them. We'll look at the challenges as well as the joys each candidate has faced on the campaign trail. I wanted to know what drives people to put themselves out there, regardless of the odds. Each episode will explore the politics and issues of each state to gain a greater understanding of the nation. On this episode, we talked to Brian Abrahamson, a progressive candidate seeking election to the Minnesota House of Representatives District 22A. In the primary, Brian ran as the only Democrat until another Democrat jumped in the primary and ran to his right at the last minute. 
That candidate's name is Maxim Kaufman. Also in the race was Republican and longtime incumbent who ran unopposed, Joe Schumacher. So Brian Abrahamson did not win his primary, but he came real close. He took 46.2% of the Democratic vote to Kaufman's 53.8%. So Brian is now running as a write-in candidate as an independent. He has even been endorsed by the Independence Party of Minnesota, which is Jesse Ventura's party. Sadly, both candidates on the left combined fell well short of incumbent Republican. So both candidates on the left have their work cut out for them. I started the interview by checking in with Brian about how he's feeling at this stage in the race, because I know how hairy things get before the big day. Yeah, it is a little hairy. Just uh, kind of plugging away, getting our name out there, and doing what we need to do, I guess, and getting getting the progressive message out. How is getting your name out there? Do you guys have a kind of a tight-knit community? Uh, we do. I mean, the newspapers know we're well-known in, in their communities and stuff like that. I actually ran for Minnesota State Senate, uh in last election, so I'm pretty well known, and and hopefully I get my uh, get my name out there even even further. When you got into this campaign, it was just you running as the Democrat. Is that correct? At the time, yeah, I was. I was. I was the only one that was even uh, thinking about running until the day after the filing was done. So you ran in the primary, and you got pretty close. Yeah, it was. It was like 180 something votes away. <sighs> that near miss had to be pretty painful. I mean, it, it wasn't as painful as, as uh, people think. I'm, I'm still running. I'm still, still out there. I mean, to me, that's kind of a win because they were hoping that I would lose by 1,000 votes instead of like 180. It was an establishment choice. It was the one that's been endorsed by pretty much all the, all the unions, everything like that. He was the golden boy, and he, and he barely won. Now, obviously, you had a good message that was received well to get that close. Absolutely. Now you consider yourself an independent? I do, yes. And a progressive, correct? Absolutely. It strikes me that everyone has different definitions in regards to political labels. What do you think being a progressive is? I mean, it, it means that you're you're standing up for the people and getting things done, make, making sure that uh, people get a livable wage. People get health care that they deserve and, and stuff like that. Like in Minnesota right now, in Minneapolis, they, they won the fight for 15. They won it. Yeah. And St. Paul, they're, they're actually fighting for it right now, and I think they're going to win it. I think we speak for the whole state. So it, that's, that's what progressivism is. It's getting out there, getting things done, and fighting what you, for what you believe in. How do you distinguish between a liberal and a progressive? Well, I, I think I think the liberal now is, is is more what they would call a Democrat. Basically, they're they're more of a little left, maybe a little bit right of center. Mm-hmm. The progressives are more maybe the far the far right. They they care for you know single payer. They care for uh, you know for tuition free education and stuff like that. The moderates, they're not really, you know, they're kind of like, well, I like, I like how it is now. I, don't, I really don't, I really don't care. They're kind of status quo. I think that's, that's kind of the cutoff now, basically. Playing it a little more safe. Yeah, and that's, that's basically what they do in this way. Like, this, like said, they, they play it safe and keep it status quo. They don't want to do too much because then the Republicans would be, oh, they're, they're just too far left for me. I'm not going to vote for them. And stuff like that. But like I said, we just have to fight. 
people, and uh, people come to the to the orientation no problem. For those who don't know, Minnesota has a Democratic Farmer Labor Party, the DFL, which is associated with the Democrats. Am I right in that? Uh, basically, the Farmer and Labor, basically, they were their own own little entity before the, the Democrats and then the Farmers and Labor. So they jumped always forces a while back. Yeah. Uh, so now it's one big party. Do they differ from the but National Democratic Party? No, not really. They they pretty much align themselves uh, directly with uh, with the DNC and and stuff like that, in, in in a lot of ways. Bernie's campaign in 2016 was very successful in moving the National Democratic Party to the left on many issues. Did the DFL have that same kind of shift? I've seen that even in in the primaries. Basically, this guy, like I said, I don't know him, Maxwell Cox. He's the one that won the primary in my district. Basically, he came out saying, we got to do better with ACA. And I was like, oh, no, we need... <laughs> and I was like, right away, saying that we need single-payer Medicare for all. Yeah. Now he's like, well, maybe we need a pathway, pathway to Medicare for all, maybe. And now I'm reading on some of his, some of his answers, like, yeah, let's do it, let's do it like he like he created it like he's the one that came up with the idea oh that's interesting so, I, I, I drug i drugged him to well people in this area they think they have to be they have to be moderate to win and that's not true basically you have to fight for the people because when you stop fighting for the people then then you're useless so you no longer have that fire anymore you're, you have to stand up for the people your state pretty heavily went for Bernie in 2016. Why is it you would think the DFL wouldn't want to take that as a hint? I mean, that's that's a good question. I, I think it's because half the state is, is progressive and half is, is moderate. They, they said they, they kind of align themselves um, they kind of align themselves with the DNC. They have to be the, the, um, the big thing was Bernie was not a Democrat. That was all I heard through the whole thing, even before the primaries were over in 2016, that's all I heard when I when I first started running for Minnesota Senate. They just went on and on. It's like he's not he's not a Democrat. Like well, he declared himself a Democrat, just like we do in Minnesota. If you say you're a Democrat, then you're a Democrat. If you say you're a Republican, then you're a Republican. But they did not go with that. That was the DNC message, basically. He's not a Democrat, so he's not. He's not allowed at the table or whatever. Yeah, and that's that's basically what they do in this way. Like, like I said, they they play it safe and keep it status quo. They don't want to do too much because then the Republicans will be oh, they're they're just too far left for me. I'm not going to vote for them and stuff like that. But like I said, we just have to fight for the people, and, and people come to the voting station no problem. Now I read. In um, Nate Silver's uh, 538, your state's becoming more progressively red. You were at this point in 2017, it was just 0.5 percentage points more democratic than the rest of the nation. What do you attribute to that? I don't know. I think, uh, like, like I said, the Democrats are kind of their status quo. They're not, they're not really putting their, their neck out there and, and really coming up with anything that's going to really actually solve. Uh, so they're, they're kind of losing, losing faith in, in the eyes of, of people, and uh, I don't know, I, I think a lot of it uh, has 
with now, basically how, how they treated Bernie and stuff like that. People came in, and now they left. I mean, there's kind of just, uh, I don't know, it's, it's just kind of a, kind of a weird, weird situation we live in these days, I guess. States like yours that are trending, I think, I think we can get them back. I really do. We just need more progressive candidates like you who really speak to the people authentically, especially. And you strike me as a very authentic person. Yeah, I, am. I, I have been a, a direct support professional for about four years now. I, I care about people. I care about people every day. That's, that's my job is to care for the people, care for the disabled, care for the elderly and, and stuff like that. And I, I care for the people genuinely, like you said. I would assume that your career has, you know, really informed your 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 desire for Medicare for all, for access to health care. Yeah, it does. I mean, I mean, everybody everybody needs health care, uh, and it is it is expensive. It is, and and even especially in Minnesota right now, because they allowed, you know, for profit insurance companies to come in before Minnesota didn't even allow that. Republicans wow. came in and said, "Oh yeah, you can sell." You can sell. We we want competition. They want they want more options. No, we want we want a healthcare that's going to work for everybody. We want we want it cheaper. We want it something that's going to that's going to cover what we need, not options. That's not what we want. They kind of I don't know. I think they kind of misread what we want. Yeah, I might be putting it mildly. Yeah, your Republican challenger. Tell me a little bit about him. Um, I guess he's he's uh he's an appliance salesman. He owns his own store. He owns his own cleaning store. Uh, he he basically fights for the corporations and the wealthy, and that's about all he does. He's very like a golly gee, so me oh my kind of guy. He just kind of kind of says that he just that, that he fights for the people that are disabled, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't really stand up. He doesn't come out and even even talk about any kind of policies that are going to help the disabled. And he's and he's the chair for the uh, Health and Human Services. He should be out there saying we're we're going to do good for the, the disabled people. We're going to go. We're going to do good for our health insurance. He, he's made it this far for so long because he has an R behind his name. We go out there and, and make sure that. Uh, that we that we let everybody know that doesn't follow through with his campaign promises. When I was running for Minnesota State Senate, he was out. Oh, we're going to we're going to uh, fix our our broadband problem. Hasn't even been touched. Wow. We're going to fix our infrastructure. We're going to fix our roads, our bridges. He hasn't written anything. He hasn't even he hasn't uh, voted for any kind of roads or bridges package in this area so he's, he's not really following through with the campaign promise and you guys are in need of w- water infrastructure and infrastructure and gen- why the whole country is but um so, but tell me about that in your state some of the places in minnesota some of the areas in minnesota are just as bad as flint and I, I i see that to be true because when i first moved here the water quality was so bad we couldn't even drink our water we, i don't even today even after we got hooked up to uh, to Lewis and Clark water uh, program, I don't drink the water here. We had we had it tested, and we were told we had, we had the worst water in town that they seen. It was bad. That's horrible. Yeah, and even had a uh, 
I had a nephew that, uh, actually two nephews that had cancer because of the water here. Oh. And that's, that's horrible. The good news is they, I mean, they they got it cleared up. They're, they're cancer-free now, thank goodness. I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm happy they're doing better. Absolutely, yeah. You guys have uh, a lot of controversy coming up, and especially it seems like it's going to play in this election about uh, the sulfur ore mining. Absolutely. That could potentially leak into your water system, make it worse. It's one of the most toxic kind of mining that there is. When you add when you add water to sulfur, that's the acid. You're going to get that into your, into your water. You're going to get it on your skin, in your no. throat. It's going it's to be, be everywhere. And it's in the boundary waters, too, that they're going to be doing this. So it's, it's, it's harmful. It's, it's not something that we need in Minnesota, where we have the land of, of 10,000 lakes. It's, it's yeah. really tragic, because a lot of this can't be corrected, and it can last generations. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean our water is definitely going to be you know, held into question later on in the future. And when, when you have less water, you, I mean... That's when you start, you know, you start wars and stuff like that. Lack of water, it's part of what's putting more strain in the Middle East and all over the world is lack of resources, but lack of water is a really big one. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're mostly water, so I mean, we need, we need water. We need, we need good water, we need water where we can, where we can uh, recreate in, where we can fish in, where we can swim in, and stuff like that safely. I mean, with, with, with all this mining going on, What's to say that we that uh, they come down to our area and oh we, we have a we have a mining opportunity here? No, that's not. I mean that's not that's not going to happen. Not not while I'm here anyway. See, we need people like you in place to protect future generations. And that's what I've uh, dedicated my my uh, last two years and what I'm going to dedicate my life to. Basically, is just making sure. That uh, the people are, are protected, our water's protected, and our farmers are, are going to do better. That's what I really want to fight for. While you have a small population of farmers in Minnesota, you do have a pretty decent-sized farming industry. Have you heard anything about how these tariffs have affected the farmers? Oh, they, the farmers are very upset. I've heard time and time again that they don't want a handout. They want to live their life like they always have. A lot of them are okay with it because they've they've, they've uh, made plans already before the tariffs were. But going forth, going further, they they're they're in doubt. They they're they're uh, basically afraid. But they don't want a handout. They want to live their life. I don't blame them. What's sad is a lot of a lot of farmers are getting out of the farming industry because of this. Wow. Because they can't, yeah. And it's, it's sad. I've read a story, even in this area, they, there's a farmer uh, that sold their farm because they couldn't deal with it anymore. So they have to sell their farm and, and find an actual job and, and and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's sad. I mean, and it's just one farmer. I mean, there's probably a lot of farmers that are going to be doing that um, probably in the near future. Yeah, I mean... I think a lot of people are, are uh, kind of regretting voting for Trump. But, uh, yeah, from what I went to with this, this thing they call, they have uh, each year called Farm Fest. But it basically, they, they gather up all the farmers and the farming industry and they, they meet in one place and stuff like that. But there was a lobbyist out there singing praises 
into trouble. This is going to be a great thing. It's going to be so wonderful. He's going to make everything so great. <laughs> He's going to this, this, this is just temporary. It's going, it's just going to take oh, this a small blip of time, and then everything's going to be back to normal. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be better. And I was like, bullshit. The ability for people to paint their own image over the top of reality that has just only gotten worse over the years has, has been very devastating. You can even see it with the, the Kavanaugh trial. I mean, everybody's, everybody on the right is protecting uh, them. You know, the Republicans, Republican uh, politicians, everybody's, everybody's protecting them. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's horrible. And they're protecting Trump, protecting this and that, and... Uh, they're protecting the NRA, and that's not who we need to protect. We need to protect the people. I believe that people are a lot closer than we are apart. I think it's just messaging. Yeah, and that's and that's all it is. I mean, I mean, a Republican may may say, "Oh well, it's just going to cost too much." They really want to know how it's going to be paid for. But I mean, you can see by the studies that single, like, for instance, single payer is actually going to pay off over time it can actually be cheaper over time and and actually help millions of people and same thing um i know you're interested in 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 tuition and you know paying for people's schooling pays back in the end like it gives back to the country with higher paying jobs people pay back in taxes yeah and and also the plan that i'm thinking about uh, basically, we'll, we'll keep, you know, students here for four years so they can give back to the community and and actually hopefully even want to stay in their communities and still keep on keep on uh, being, you know, successful in, in their communities and, and uh, make that community thrive. Oh, that's interesting. So kind of you were required upon graduation to stay in your community for four years and then... Yeah, that's that's a program that uh, that I would that I would definitely uh, support and definitely champion. That's a great idea. I want to talk to you about something a little near and dear to my heart: the legalization of weed. I'm lucky enough to live in California, but I know that people aren't as lucky. Yeah, we. I, I definitely, I definitely support it. I think we should legalize it. We should tax it and and regulate it. And I, I believe that it's going to be good for tax revenue. We had a $1.65 billion tax revenue this last this last go-around, and Republicans spent it all. They wow. just spent it on basically tax cuts for the rich. Yes. They gave it to health insurance companies. They gave it to their lobbyists for tobacco and for to the gaming industry. Uh, but the tax revenue that, that would come from from the cannabis definitely would help with I mean with the roads and bridges and stuff like that. I've learned there's some bridges, some road projects that have been still out there for fifty years. And even in this area, you can tell that that they they, they massively need to be to be fixed. And this tax revenue would definitely hold up. Do you see that in your near future? Like where is your state on that? Um, we're, we're fairly mixed. Um, we have a Democratic uh, governor, or you know, basically right now, Mark Dayton. He was totally against it. No, He's really, like not in my lifetime. Not not going to happen. Not 
like if, if he wins and we get a, if we went some seats in the House and the Senate, uh, you know, stuff like that coming up in the two, next two to four years, I, I believe that uh, we're definitely going to have it on the ballot, and I think we're going to win. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been fighting for it with uh, the legal marijuana now people uh, here here in Minnesota, and uh, they're they're very organized now, and they're created their own own uh, party, which is kind of which is kind of cool. Really? They have basically, yeah, they have their own candidates pretty much in every state uh, race this election, uh, general election in November. I have to ask, what do you say to those that say that you as a write-in candidate are a potential spoiler in the race? Well, I mean, I might, I might be a spoiler. I might uh, get, get more votes. Uh, I might, I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot, of, a lot of strange things happen. Uh, basically, I'm in it for the right reasons. I'm in it for the, for the common good. I'm mean, out here to get uh, the message out, you know, the progressive message out. And like, I'm doing it for the right reason. So if I'm a spoiler or not, it doesn't matter as long as I'm in it for the right reason. And it seems like you have your finger on the pulse of your state. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I ran last election. I listen. That's what I do. I listen to everybody. I listen to everybody's needs, what they want, what they need. And, and that's what you have to do. Like I said, you have to fight for the people. Your state had one of the highest voter turnouts in the nation in 2016. Do you expect the electorate to be as energized for the midterms? I, I think so, especially with, like I said, we have a governor's race going on. And there's a good possibility that we could get a lot of people uh, to come out to the poll. But, I mean, I don't have the ball either. I mean, it, it's very hard to say. I know a lot of people are interested in the governor's race. Yeah, I'm just hoping people are energized in general. One of the most important elections of our lifetimes. I, I hope nobody sets out this election. Yeah, I hope they don't either. I mean, we do. I mean, even though I'm interested now, and the DFO is really, you know, kind of close my fire with the Democrats, but there are there are a lot of good Democrats running, and I do support the good progressive Democrats that are that are running that have you know that have their seats right now and they're running for re-election I support them um, so I, I I wish I could vote for everybody but I, I, I can't but I'm, I'm definitely voting I'm actually gonna probably vote early here um, either today or tomorrow so I'm, I'm gonna vote that's all I know yeah. but I, I know that uh my campaign's going to go out and try to get people to vote uh, and get out to the polls and have their voices heard. Hey, listen, I am. I very much enjoyed our conversation. I, I, I wish the best for you. Um, please be in touch. I would like to, you know, keep us posted on how the rest of the race goes. And, and we look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Yeah, definitely. I, I would. Hope to uh, keep in touch with you and keep in touch with anybody that's progressive. I, you know, I, I love hearing from other people. I love from hearing from, uh, you know, hearing ideas and, and stuff like that. And maybe something I can plug into my campaign and and in the future as well. So, yeah, keep in touch. Definitely. Thank you. 
Thank you for sticking with me and this episode of K, Voice of Resistance. You can stream or download the show at crabdabby.com under the K Voice tab or on your favorite podcasting app. And follow me on Facebook at K Voice of Resistance. Be sure to check out the Crab Diving Podcast with hosts Patrick Vile and comedian Ryan Pfeiffer just two hours a day, Monday through Friday. They'll give you a rundown of the headlines and the news you might be missing with a little bit of rage and a lot of humor. All right, guys. Next episode, I'll have an interview with Richard Bickman, who's running for Oklahoma's District 95 State House Representative seat. You're gonna want to hear from this guy. All right, take care of yourselves out there, and as always, resist. Who's got the power? Who's got the power? What kind of power? Oh!